Welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Calvino and Ivan Ocampo. Hey, everybody. We are back. I know we took a little bit, uh, but we're back. We're back. What do you say, Ivan? Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, guys. I like when you do that. Hey, guys. Well, listen, we have a... uh, we have a great show today. Tons we, to talk about. Yeah, we do have tons to talk about. Well, we have uh, we're smoking an excellent cigar. Uh, I'll tell you about, or we will tell you about our photo shoot slash mountainous trek through southern Utah, and uh, and, and then a jam packed weekend of sports. Good stuff happening this weekend. So uh, more on that after the break. Brothers Billy and Gus Fakie, former owners of the Cigar Inn retail shops in New York City have put their years of experience serving a broad range of cigar smokers into their new cigar company, Artesano del Tobacco. Their first release, Viva La Vida, is a Nicaraguan Puro produced at the A.J. Fernandez factory. Viva La Vida is available in five Vitolas, a 6.5x54 Torpedo, a 6x54 Toro, a 6x60 Gran Toro, a 5x54 Robusto, and a limited edition Diademas Finas which is a beautifully made Perfecto that's six and a half by 52. Prices range from $10.50 for the Robusto up to $14.50 for the limited edition Diademas Finas. The cigars are not only made by A.J. Fernandez, but also distributed by him as well. Viva La Vida cigars are only available at brick-and-mortar cigar shops, so ask your local dealer for Viva La Vida or look them up at artesanodeltobacco.net. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram at Artisano Del Tobacco. Hey, Jaspy. Man, it's nice to hear from Jasp again, huh? Yeah, man. We were in his neck of the woods. We were, we were. So, uh, so well, we'll get to that in a second. So, let's talk about the cigar that we're smoking. Uh, so, this is, this is the cigar that we smoked during our photo shoot, which we'll tell you about shortly, uh, through southern Utah. So, it is the Casa Cuba. That's the that's the cigar that that we smoked throughout the shoot. Today we are smoking the Casa Cuba Divine Inspiration. It's a six and an eighth uh, by forty seven, so that's like a Corona Gorda, maybe like a yeah, basically a Corona. Uh, it, made in the Dominican Republic by Arturo Fuente. So there's always confusion about that. This brand Casa Cuba doesn't say Fuente anywhere on the label, but it is made by Fuente. It is a, a Fuente offering. Uh, it's wrapped with an Ecuadorian wrapper, and then the filler and binder are Dominican. The price is roughly eight ninety nine, nine bucks for this, uh, and so we've been smoking it for about five minutes, right? I would say. Yeah. So, what are your initial thoughts on the cigar? Like, you know, again, five minutes into it, and the fact that we smoked it throughout Utah. So, this. Is one of my favorite cigars. Like, Whoa! Can we get a horn on that yeah. one? Yeah, Jasper, hit me. <laughs> nice. So, nice. So this is, if I had a to pick like a day, like what my daily smoker would be, this would be it. I find it to be a very severely underrated cigar, especially, mm-hmm. especially considering it's a Fuente product. Because everybody, when you talk about Fuente, they're always talking Opus X. Opus X, Don uh, Carlos. Hemingway, Rosal, yep. exactly. Uh, nobody ever mentions the Casa Cuba, and I find this cigar to be so, so awesome. Yeah, and, and in fact, I think that the company has a bit of an of an issue with that because they, uh, 
they they noticed that people don't like like you just said i mean to your point they uh people don't refer to this cigar as a fuente product so i think there's a little bit of uh of a lack of of awareness out there that the casa cuba is a fuente product uh but we will try to remedy that sure a little bit on this show sure and also in the editorial that will accompany the photo shoot that we did uh first let's talk a little bit about the idea. So this cigar, the Casa Cuba, was initially released in like 2013. Uh, I don't remember the exact history, but I remember that the brand was originally owned by another Ybor City family. And I can't remember their name right now. I should have done research, but that's okay. Uh, so 2013, they released the Casa Cuba with all of its sizes. Then in 2016, they released this one, the Divine Inspiration. And and the the idea here was that the blend for this cigar was developed or or let's say thought up by Don Carlos when he was in the hospital. Uh, and, you know, sadly he never made it out of the hospital to to smoke the cigar that he came up with, right? So he came up with this blend uh, and relayed it to Carlito in the factory, and so. He sadly, like I said, never got to taste it. But it is a different blend than the rest of the Casa Cuba line. Right. Uh, so that that should be noted. Uh, and it is like if uh, if you find the Casa Cuba in a retailer, you'll see that they're called like the, the Vitolas are called like Doble Seis, Doble Cinco. They have those kinds of names which are which relate to dominoes. Right. Like a Doble Seis would be a double six on, on a domino. Right. Uh and it, but this one has a completely different Vitolo name, and it's the Divine Inspiration. So they are all very good. Yeah. But to me, this particular Vitola uh, with its own blend is head and shoulders. Definitely. I remember hanging out with Carlito once, uh, and we were there with him, and I, I, he was giving us some of the backstory. And I remember when he was speaking about the blend, he, he said something about wanting it to be very similar to, like, a Cuban cigar. Correct. That was the... That was the idea of the Casacua. It, it was, from the very beginning, supposed to kind of remind you of those old Cuban cigars from back in the day. Uh, and, and this one, I think, does that better than all the others. Right? This one has that very, uh, a very creamy, cedary, uh, slightly nutty characteristic that you find in those old style Cuban cigars, right? But super, super smooth and very well balanced. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the cigar as well. Awesome. That's yeah, great. I, yeah. I, I, I can find them, seriously, at nine at nine bucks. I know it's a Corona, but it's six and an eighth uh, by 47. You're, you're almost smoking a Toro, right? Six and an eighth by 47, a standard Toro is six by 50. Yeah, that's a little uh, thinner. Yeah, little thinner. It, it's not a big, big difference. So so I think that that you don't get that same like value difference that you get like you know the corona is a size that like we talked about a couple issues ago the corona is a size that has been a little maligned right because it's not a great value today but when you have a corona gorda like this which is almost a toro i mean there's really the, the value difference isn't there anymore and what you get for nine bucks in this cigar is is unbeatable i, I don't buy a lot of cigars but the last time um i went cigar shopping i bought i bought some of these just because it's yeah, it's a great great cigar at a great price. Yeah, excellent. So yeah, I stocked stocked up on them. Yep. So 
so we went out to to Utah to do this photo shoot, but I I still want to talk a little bit about, you know, this isn't the first photo shoot that that Fuente partners with us on. Correct. Right. They did the uh, they were the sponsor of the Cabo San Lucas photo shoot a few years back. Was it 2017? I yeah. Think? Yeah. Uh, and so in that one, we smoked. We did two shoots out there. And that was the Opus X and the Don Carlos, uh, the reserve, the old man's reserve. And, uh, and that was an awesome shoot. Yeah. Right. And you can read about our adventures on that shoot in the current issue. That's, was it in this current issue, right? The backstory or was that the previous? No, it's the, the it's the one before. Yeah. So in the, in the May, June issue, you can read about the backstory of uh, of that Cabo San Lucas or Cabo San Lucas photo shoot, uh, and you can and also read about did, the next one. And then the next one, which they also sponsored, which was the Dominican Republic, when we when we shot at Chateau de la Fuente, uh, and at the factory, and in Santo Domingo, that was another awesome shoot. And, and I think that's why we we write about them so much because the shoots that they sponsor, to to use this word that's been thrown around, have been all epic. Yeah, indeed. And and you know what? To be fair, uh, Liana told me years ago, like, if you if you want us to collaborate with you guys on a photo shoot, make sure it's only the epic ones. Like, I don't I don't want to be involved in a normal shoot. And you know what? Hats off to them because it they sort of gave us marching orders uh, in that way. And we just that's what we've done is we've done. We've only done epic photo shoots with them and i think that's how they approach cigar making too agreed yeah it, it's part of the the way that they do everything so you know we're gonna make a watch we're gonna make a hublot right you know we're gonna make a badass watch uh everything they do is is like that it's first class and so this photo shoot was no different this was out in southern utah in that bryce canyon area so do you want to give us a little bit of the of sort of the lowdown on, on what the location scouting was like, like how we came up with that location. So initially, this was uh, coming out of pen, like serious lockdown yep. after post, the pan- post-pandemic. Um, we had just done our, um, our corona shoot, uh, our post-corona shoot. Yeah, we'd done the first one, which is the one that's out called uh, Not Working, Not which working, was at the correct. wharf. So it was a local shoot. Done so that was local. Head. We were able to do it. I mean, the, the, we did it at the wharf, which was closed. So we had all, you know, all, all, all the crew members were, were in town. We had some, some space to do it since they were closed. So that worked out. Um, so then after that, we we're like, all right, we need now we can start traveling again. Uh, what would be a cool location? So we were we were you know browsing like uh, airfares at the time, an airfare out to most of the United States was fairly fairly inexpensive, you know. So we're ta- our crew is usually from eight to ten people, so that has to be a big part of it when we're when we're planning these things out. Yeah, of course. So we're looking for states that don't have any um, quarantine restrictions. Yeah, like major restrictions. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then something that would be picturesque. We'd always discuss doing something out 
you know, out in the uh, canyon areas of Colorado or, or Utah. So then we started looking out there, and the, the airfare was very cheap. Unfortunately, once, once we finally booked everything, the, the prices they weren't that cheap. had gone up significantly. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, just looking into uh, different areas of, of Utah, we we decided on the the Kanab uh, Bryce Canyon area because it was just so beautiful, and you can get to so many different spots because it's not just one spot that's great. It's just a lot of different areas. That it's incredible that area out there. It it has so much diversity. Of, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. You have the the sand dunes, and then you have the slot canyons, and you have the mountains. It's it's you have forest. It's crazy how much you have out there. Right. So so we ended up. Uh, like you said, Kanab was kind of our our home base. Yeah, and if and and we're gonna probably say as much in the piece, but uh, if you're recommending someone go out there, Kanab is the perfect home base to go see Zion, the Grand Canyon's North Rim, Bryce, and all those slot. It's canyons. very centrally located. It's incredible, yeah. It's a perfect spot, and it's a it's a town like a nice. Whereas when you're out there in the American West, you've got cities like Vegas and Salt Lake City and Phoenix, and those obviously are big cities. And then you have a lot of nothing, like a lot of nothing, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of miles of nothing. So, so when you when you find a town that is, uh you know, that, that has hotels and restaurants for you to eat in and, and facilities and different things. You, you know, like for us, it was perfect. And yeah. Kanab was exactly that. Like I remember when we were driving up to it. So we landed in Vegas and then drove three hours out to Kanab. And as we're driving up to it, once we got off the highway and we were driving up to get to Kanab, at least in my car, we were in two separate cars, but in my car, they were all like, what is this? Where are you taking us? Is this Breaking Bad that we're filming or are we doing a photo shoot? Everybody in my car was sleeping. I was yeah, the well, only one awake. Yeah, you were the <laughs> only one awake and driving. That's not fun. But uh, but yeah, people were, you know, even the part of the crew that was in my car, they were like, well, you know, I don't know if this is going to be any good. Until we got out there the next day uh, to the shoot locations, that's when they started to see it. Sure. So that part was uh, was pretty interesting. You want to talk a little bit about the the crew, like who we who we had on this, like the two models. We had our our collab our longtime collaborator David Benoliel, yes, as a photographer, limited edition. Uh, what about the models? What were the names? Do you remember? Them? Allie and Abby. Uh, it, oh, it was. It so was they can't Google them. It was Allie Leggett. Uh, Allie Leggett. That's right. And uh, it was Abigail. I can't pronounce her last name, but I think it's like Zenik. Something like that. You're right. Yeah. And so, then and then we had some we hired some guides to take us out. Thank God. No, no, no. That was the best decision I think we've ever made. Thank God. Right. I, I really I really thought we were able we were gonna be able to do all of this on our own in rental cars. And then we soon realized that a rental car will not get you anywhere out there. You need an off road vehicle because you're not gonna be on pavement most of the time. Well and and to be fair what we wanted to do out there was a photo shoot, like a, a full production. And when you're doing that, so you could go out there and not deal with four by fours and still see amazing sights. But to do that, you have to go to the national parks. And that's all well and good. 
until you're doing a massive production and flying drones and doing all kinds of stuff, you it's not as easy to do in a national park. And it's not the cigar snob way. Because, it's not the cigar snob you way. You know, like Fuente does epic stuff. We do adventurous and not easy stuff. That's that's our, that's our ethos. <laughs> <laughs> Make it hard. <laughs> so, uh, But the payoff, making it hard, was well worth it. Like, course. again, everybody was dying. But once you get to where we wanted to get and shoot, it was like, oh, so this is what all. Yeah, this is what all this hiking and climbing was about. Right. Uh, so we'll get into more details uh, about what the hiking and climbing was like uh, after this quick break. Do you live under a rock? No? Good. Then you should be subscribed to the best darn cigar magazine around. You can get Cigar Snob Magazine delivered to your doorstep every two months for $18 per year. That's right. Printed, on paper, and delivered by your mail carrier. Every issue is chock full of cigar talk, ratings, insightful stories, spirit and wine pairings, smoking hot senoritas, and much more. It's just 18 pesos for six issues a year. Well, not pesos, you know what I mean, it's $18. Does that tickle your fancy? Well wait, there's more. Enter the code PODCAST to check out and you'll also receive one of our famous cigar snob t-shirts. Trust me. You'll be the envy of your cigar crew. That's right. Six issues of Cigar Snob Magazine and a badass high-quality t-shirt for just 18 buckaroos. You can't beat that, amigo. Go to cigarsnob.com slash subscribe and make it happen now. Go ahead and pause the podcast and get to it. Offer only good for subscribers in the U.S. and Canada and only while supplies last. So let's uh, let's set the stage. Day one was our was our Abbey shoot. Yeah. Right. And we were going out to the slot canyons. The idea was let's get as close to that Antelope Canyon look without the crowds of Antelope Canyon. Right. That was the basic uh, like marching orders that we gave the, the guides. Like, let's get this look, but we have to be able to shoot it without crowds. So they took us out. We, we had a day of four by four in the sand. So before we went out, I we asked the guides, okay, we have two days to shoot. Which day is going to be harder? He goes, well, it all depends. Probably the Slot Canyon day is going to be harder. And we're like, all right, give us that first. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't want to <laughs> we, we don't, don't want to get beaten up and then and then lose people yeah. on the second day. So give us give us the hard stuff first. So much for that idea. So then that's <laughs> that's what they gave us. And day one was really our endurance day because it took a lot of endurance to get through that day. It did. The, the first half, uh, the hardest thing about the first half was was the Jeep, right? You're, you're going through this very sandy trails, through these very sandy trails that are like you can't negotiate them without knowing what you're doing. Like there are people who who make a very good living pulling people out of these sandy trails. So you're basically driving a Jeep through uh through trails that are like dunes. And so the sand is really deep and thick. And if you don't know what you're doing, you have a 100% chance of getting stuck. But I don't know how the hell those people contact anybody to come pull I know, them out. No, we had no signal. You have there. no signal at all. And you Start can't walking. you you can't you have to walk for like like to another state. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, so we got out to to the slot canyons that we wanted to shoot, and it was 
everything that was advertised, right? It was gorgeous. As our photographer says, amazing. Yes. Yeah. Well, David is French. Uh, but it was just, uh, again, those like those pictures that you see on social media or on on photography websites of Antelope Canyon. That's basically where we were. Well, ours would be better, but. Yeah. yeah. But that when <laughs> we walked into it, we were like, holy shit, this is it. This is exactly what we wanted. Right. And no crowds. So so that was incredible. But then we upped it and went out to I don't even know what that place is. Oh, the guy said not to not to say it to anybody because they don't want it. To, oh, I'm sure to we, we, we beep this out then. Sure. <laughs> so. Uh, so this it's like a. I don't know. How would you describe it? I know it's sandstone. Up, uh, I'll, I'll describe it as a big fucking mountain. A big mountain of sandstone. Yeah. Uh, and you'll see, you'll see all these pictures when, uh, when, uh, when the issue comes out. But big mountain of sandstone. And if you know, if you know what sandstone is, or if you don't know what sandstone is like, it's basically a rock that you can that you can easily sand off uh, with your hand. You can take the sand off of it. And so we get up to this rock. We're like, oh yeah, it's beautiful. And then the guy's like, no, we got to hike up to it. We got to hike up to this chamber. And so when we get up there, it's a, it's a steep hike. Basically, you're hiking through, sand. through a beach. Yeah, through a beach. At, at a 45-degree angle. And you're carrying all kinds of equipment. I mean, I, there was one point there. And it was hot. And it was hot as balls. And uh, there, one point about three-quarters of the way up. And there's altitude. We're at, yeah, we're at very high altitude, I think like 9,000 feet above sea level or so. Yeah. So the air is thinner. We're struggling with that. Uh, it's hot. We're carrying shit, all kinds of equipment. Uh, and we had guides that are carrying a bunch of stuff too, but we had so much stuff. Shout, shout out to Nick and Caleb. Unreal, the amount of work that those guys put in. Uh, so, so we're carrying stuff at about three quarters of the way through. I just wanted, like my body was like, okay, I'm done. I, I just want to die here. Forget it. Somebody call my family when you get to cell phone range and tell them that I love them because I was done. I mean, absolutely done. Uh, I thought I thought that was the end of me on that mountain. Uh, you too. You were, every, you were every, struggling. Everybody. Everybody was struggling. I'm actually proud that everybody made it to the top. Yeah, our too. girls, our like, model. I met that model. Photographer? Photo- no, no. It was incredible. It was, it was a tremendous... Uh, undertaking undertaking yeah. everybody but everybody toughed it out and then again when once everybody got up there it was like holy shit that's what that's why we're here yeah and so just to kind of paint the picture a little bit it is a imagine a giant chamber like the the size of an amphitheater of again all sandstone that has been the sand has been whipped off the walls by wind and as it lands, it creates a giant sand dune in the middle. Again, you're way, way up there on top of this sandy rock. And, and there's a massive sand dune, beautiful, like evenly the sand. Because, again, not a lot of people are there. So not a lot of other crazy people make that climb. I mean, there was, I only saw two other people right. uh, that were it. coming down when we were coming up. That's it. So... Uh, and it's a giant chamber, and then you have this bright blue sky behind you. It was just like breathtaking. Yeah. And uh, and so we were able to shoot there. We got some drone footage there. We got we got all kinds of good. We almost lost a drone. 
Yeah. So we were flying a, a small lightweight drone because, again, we were trying to keep the weight down with all of this climbing. So we're flying a small drone, and I'm trying to, and that was me flying it. And so I'm trying to do this, you know, kind of like going around the model uh, in, in a circle over her. And it was all going very well until that wind that whips a sand off of the sandstone, the wind caught the, the drone and basically just sent it out. <laughs> and I thought, I thought we'd lost it. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, it was. And Ivan is looking at me like, are you doing that? Because the drone is hauling ass out. And he, I remember you were asking me, are you doing that? I'm like, no, 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 no. This, that's the wind. He's like, bring it back. I, I, I can't. I was trying. I mean, the little drone was fighting. And it was funny. So then in that split second, I realized, I mean, I, in slow motion, it sounds easy. It sounds it makes perfect sense, right? That the, the wind is at the higher elevation. If you drop it down, you'll shield it from the wind. But I had to make that call in a matter of seconds before, not even milliseconds, before the uh, the drone would have been gone. I mean, 100% gone. And so I quickly hit down and I get it out of the wind and I get it to stop. And then I try to bring it back. And every time I'm going to bring it back, the wind catches it and sends it straight back out. Uh, so that was that was a, a fun maneuver to get the drone back. Eventually, I crash landed it into the sand dune and then let our guides go out there and fetch it. So it was one of the spots that we didn't have to worry about. I, I, this is worth mentioning. We didn't have to worry about uh, lighting cigars because, you know, the whole forest fire issues mm -hmm. that are going on in the, the West Coast. That, yeah, and it's very dry out there. So we were, by the way, very cautious with that. Uh, but out there, we didn't have to. That one was, yeah, it was like, it was a, all, it was sand. like a, it was all sand desert there. So yeah. we didn't have to worry about it. The only thing we did have to worry about was the wind that would constantly turn right. off your cigar. Right. Uh, it was really windy up there. But uh, again, really cool. And then we hiked down. And then where did we go after? We went to this like um, valley where. Oh, that's right. With those uh, like multi layered, multicolored. Uh, yeah, the, the mountain looked like a cupcake with all these like pinks and purples and again amazing. And then in, in like a in one of those interesting twists of fate, the last outfit we have for the day had all of the colors that the mountain had. That was completely by chance, just incredible, right? Breathtaking. Yeah, all of it, every part of it. We were so damn tired. We got back, went to dinner, and everyone just crashed. Like there was no usually on on the night of on the first night of a photo shoot. Just about the entire crew goes out to dinner, uh, and then we hang out afterwards, and we may smoke some cigars and talk some smack and get some booze going. There was none of that. No. Like, it, half the crew went to dinner. When did we do the uh, the stargazing? Oh, that was the, night, that was the night that we got there. Right. Yeah, no. We didn't have any energy the first day. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The first night when we landed that we drove out, we went out and saw the stars. But the second day, which was the shoot day, yeah, dead. shoot day one, completely dead. Yeah, and like then exhausted. we had to wake up early again and do it all over. Exa exhausted. So day two was the alley day, and we hiked through the mountains. Again, these, these Sherpas carrying all kinds of stuff for us. Yeah. And we were carrying a bunch of stuff ourselves. Uh, and we went out to that Bryce Canyon area, and that was another just incredible views. But totally, incredibly dangerous. Totally different terrain. Yeah, yeah, night and day. I mean, it looks nothing like the terrain in, in day one. But how dangerous was that? Yeah. The footing was super treacherous. It was that's exactly why they made us sign the waiver. Yeah, that, that day. That, yeah, yeah. It was for that day. It was crazy. So we're we're walking along this precipice 
and the the footing is not number one, not level, and we're not mountain climbers, or have proper mountain climbing gear, of, and we're all carrying packs of stuff uh, and gear. So yeah, I was I was incredibly worried at that at that point. But you know what? The guides were great. They they stood like every time someone was passing through a treacherous area, they'd get on the bottom side of them in case they'd slip. They could catch them. Yeah. No, no, Thank that, God. No, no, for <laughs> real. It was uh, it was crazy. Uh, but again, the the views were just um, incredible. Uh, and so that was the Bryce Canyon shoot with Ali. And again, it ended perfectly, right? Like the last shot of, on both shoots, the last shot of the day was perhaps the best. Yep. Right. And so uh, just a, an amazing shoot. Uh, everything about it. If you've never been out there to southern Utah, highly recommend it. Uh, if you want, wait till you read about it in our uh, in our story. We've got some restaurant recommendations and things of that nature. So check that out in the next issue. In the meantime, we had a tremendous sports weekend uh, when we got back. But before I get to that, why don't we why don't we do an update on the cigar? We're about I don't know maybe a third of the way in. I'm halfway through. Oh, yeah, but I'm 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 talking too much. That means that you're not doing enough on this show. I'm smoking on the show. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want? What do you want out of me? Um, Planning photo shoots. I'm smoking. You had you had said it earlier. It's it's very creamy. So if anything, creamy, right? Very it's creamy. very it's, it's very much in balance with a lot of complexity to it. So you get uh, like vanillas and 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 nut, uh, maybe a little caramel, mm-hmm. uh, a little wood. Uh, but everything in perfect harmony. Like a it, touch of floral in there. It's a. It's such a, a beautifully, uh, balanced cigar, uh, and as you said, complex, flavorful. I get the floral too. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah, a yeah. touch there in the nose when you. I don't know. Do guys, do guys retrohale? I don't know. I, I I almost retrohale almost every single puff. I do. Yeah. I know. I just don't know if our listeners do. If you don't know what I'm talking about, retrohaling is when, and I think it maybe talked about this before, but when you take the smoke in and instead of just blowing it right back out through your mouth, you let it out through your nose without inhaling it, but you let it out through your nose. And that allows you to capture more of the, uh, of the notes that maybe you read on, on flavor notes and, and things like that in the magazine. And you may be, go, you may be thinking, or even right now, we just said floral. The only way you're getting that floral is through your nose. Right, that's not a note that comes up on your palate, on your tongue. By the way, going back to the uh, the shoot, I tried to. We had a couple of non-smokers that were yep. attempting to smoke for the first time, uh, and I was trying to explain how to do it, how to like actually smoke without inhaling. Yeah, I was doing a terrible job, I guess, because there's no. She was not getting it at but all. I, Lucia I, was I, not I did, getting I it. Her. She finally got it. Yeah, I helped her because uh, she's. Her I, I, question was: This was one of the stylists who was. Uh, she, she said at one point in the in one of the days, she said, "What is it that you guys like about the cigars? Like this doesn't make any sense." She smokes cigarettes. She said, "It doesn't make any sense to draw the smoke into my mouth, hold it, and then let it out. Like that doesn't make sense. I don't even know how to do that." She said, "I can't draw it in and not inhale it," and so. I used, and I just came up with it on the spot, but I told her, when you drink a liquid through a straw, do you automatically swallow it? And you don't. Of course not. Right? Just like when you're tasting wine, you, you, you drink it, but you don't swallow it. You taste it first, and then you swallow it. 
So I gave her that, and she, and that she was like, "Okay, now yeah. I get it." Yeah, that's a good way. So, so that was uh, so. Imagine if you were drawing in the smoke, holding it, and then instead of swallowing it, you let it out through your nose, uh, and that's retrohaling. That's what. Huh? Maybe it has to be one of our smoking one 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 pieces. That yeah, we maybe do next. That's a good. That's a good idea. <laughs> so. So anyway, yeah, the cigar is progressing beautifully. It hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, those are similar flavors, maybe ramped up a little in intensity. Uh, I, I get maybe a touch more spice than I did before. I think that's maybe the the biggest change. Uh, Strength-wise, it's maybe, I don't know, six and a half on a scale of one to ten. Yeah, I don't even know if it goes that high. Six. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's somewhere between five and six in terms of strength from one to ten. Uh, so really, again, really fantastic smoke. Uh, if you haven't tried it, definitely do so. Highly recommend it. Uh, again, that's Casa Cuba by, uh, by Fuente. So, so what do you say about your Raiders, dude? Uh, Jasper, give me three horns. Okay. <laughs> we need a new horn for this. Jasper. Oh shit. No, uh, f- football in general. Very happy that it's back. Uh, you know, been waiting for it a long time. There were a lot of injuries this week. I guess it was a because ton. of the lack of uh, preseason. So everybody's just running out into the field, playing, you know, Lost at 100%, and everybody's going down. Yep. So very happy that my team is 2-0 and in Vegas in their new stadium. How, you know what? I, I, I'm, the only thing that makes me sad is that I would have loved to have seen, and I am not a Raider fan. Love the black hole there. Enjoying I, it. Of I course. would have loved yeah, to yeah, have yeah. seen like the, that the Oakland fans and the LA fans and the new Vegas fans all together in that, in that new black hole. I thought that would have been awesome. I think we missed out on that because that Monday night game, you know, I didn't, was awesome. I didn't feel that emotional. Like, the last day in Oakland, or the last game they played in Oakland, but the thi- right before this one, I felt a little. It was like God, it's the first game they're not playing in Oakland, and you kind of like felt a little bit of emotional. And I guess everybody else that that were like diehard fans from Oakland probably felt the same. But it would have been nice to have everybody there. I mean, they were all there and uh, partying in the in the casinos. They weren't in the big casinos. They were all in the uh, like oh, off really, strip, like the Fremont, like. Fremont Street. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember they were having all these, yeah, all those type of places. It wasn't the the big named ones where they were partying. Like stage. That sounds like like Raider fans. You know why? I think one of the, okay, so you're you're closer to ownership on the smaller casino. So I think like the stage door casino, like the, 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 the owner is like a huge Raider fan. So he like did a big party. So they all went over there. So I, I think that was the case. Well, that was cool. The, uh, Canes pulled out a win. Yep. Louisville. That was awesome. Canes offense looked explosive. Very happy about that. Yes. Again, they're two and I'm, all my teams are, are two and all, so I'm you're happy about pretty, that. Well, I, my, I, do- my Dolphins are 0 and 2, but that's okay. Are the Is the Big Ten going to start playing? They are. They are going to start. Huh. They changed course. I don't know. I, I hope, I hope they're, I, you know, I hope the COVID numbers stay down long enough. I mean, just about every team has had one or two guys uh, that have tested positive, but it hasn't been enough to stop at least one of the big games. So I haven't, I haven't seen it. Maybe there's been uh, 
other teams that have had, you know, games that had to be stopped. I don't know or postponed, but I haven't seen it. The the Canes now play FSU, and in COVID related news, uh, FSU's coach will not be on the sideline. He has COVID. He's asymptomatic. But tested positive for COVID. Do you still coach from? Can you like Zoom call like the plays in? I, I don't think so. No. Why not? I don't think so. I don't know, but I don't think so. Because that would give you an unfair advantage. Because you now have access to all kinds of. It's the same like as being in the press box. I guess, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think that that's allowed. But I don't know. I don't know anything. What about the playoffs of basketball? We got the Heat two one over the got Celtics the right now. Yeah, and the Lakers and uh, who are the Nuggets? Yeah. Yep. They're gonna take them. Easy. Yeah, yeah, I think the the Lakers are the Lakers are just. I mean, once those two guys get going, it's a tough matchup for everybody. It doesn't matter who plays them. That, that's a tough matchup. They're so big down low. They are. I mean, and there's not a lot around them, but it's just enough. I don't think they need much, but yeah, that's what I mean. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Uh, you just need a little bit with those two. Those are two of the best players in the league, right? I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron are are monsters, but I like my Heat. I I love. You know, speaking of uh, of the Utah trip, Caleb, one of our guides, who lives part of the year in Utah, the other part in in uh, Alaska, big time Heat fan. Crazy. I love to see that. I thought he was bullshitting. He told me, "No, I'm I'm a Heat fan," and I said, "Caleb, you don't. You're gonna get a tip, dude. Don't worry. You don't have to <laughs> say that. You know, I'm gonna tip you. You don't have to pretend to be a Heat fan." He's like, "No, no, no. Seriously, I'm a Heat fan." I'm like, "Come on, dude. Name." Four players on the Heat team. He's like, here's the starting lineup. And he rattles off the starting lineup. I'm like, oh, shit, he is a Heat fan. But he bashed the Dolphins, didn't he? He bashed somebody. He did. He, did. he bashed the Dolphins, which, which are rem- The Dolphins have been... I, I get it. No, no, I'm saying he wasn't, doing it, for, he wasn't doing it for the tip. No, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so, so anyway, the... Uh, and then Bryson DeChambeau. Did you? I know so that, much going on. I, by the way, I was in I was in uh, Orlando this weekend. Yeah, so you for, got for, we got back from Utah. And you took off the next day for for a Disney trip. Yeah, it's been a fucking hell of a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted. Uh, and I went. Too. And I Saturday night I went to a you know to a restaurant and we're like let's let's catch the game. It, we had uh, NHL finals, uh, the Hurricane game, and the Heat playing all at the same time. It's crazy. Great. It was hour and a half waits everywhere. And it was a Tampa Bay Lightning, so there was. A, I mean, you were in Orlando, so that's close right yeah, next yeah. door. Bunch of bunch of Lightning fans. There. Yeah. So, uh, but seriously, so a little bit of golf talk here. Bryson DeChambeau, Mister One Length, pulling out. I mean, he crushed the U.S. Open by six strokes. Beat the field. He was the only player under par. Yeah. Not it, much to say about this, huh? No, I mean, I didn't want you probably know more about it because I didn't see much of it. But uh, it, it's it's interesting to see somebody so unorthodox win a major uh, and so unorthodox by like a mile. It's not even not even not even close. Brad Faxon's swing is unorthodox. This guy, it's a it's a departure, a complete departure. Like the clubs are all one length. The putting looks as uncomfortable as anyone I've ever seen putt. Like, Jack Nicholas looked uncomfortable, but it looked like a putt. This guy, it's uncomfortable, but it looks like he's going like to hit the driver. McElroy, uh, Rory McIlroy came out and said that... Um, it, it, it was an interesting take. He says that, um, that Bryson is using all of the rules to his advantage 
saying that he's pushing the envelope on what he sh- he's allowed to do within the the rules of the game. So he's got the arm bar going. The arm bar on the putter, yes. Right. Uh, yeah, he's he's playing the, the he's playing the course not like the course is designed to be played. He's overbought, even though Rory's actually had a lot more driving distance that he that he did during the week. Did uh, he really? He did. He outdrove him, but still, I mean. But he also pushes the envelope on how much time you can take, because he does so much crazy math before every shot. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah. It's crazy the amount of math that they do, and they've got this like language that's all their own, right? They've got percentages yeah, and this sure. and that, and how they read the breaks it is totally different. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool. I uh, I was happy for him when he. I did watch it. I watched the the final round, and when he comes off, when he makes that that putt on eighteen, which really he didn't need to make, but he makes it as like an eight footer downhill. Uh, not an easy putt by any stretch. Hell no. And well, we saw Danny Lee four putt, six putt, six putt. The you short, you shorted him shorted too. Him. <laughs> he six putted. So yeah, this is not an easy putting surface. And uh, and he hits that eight foot putt, which he doesn't even hit need to hit it to win. He just has to put it close, and he hits it, and he you know arms up in the air, and he's extremely emotional. And then he's coming in, and he turns this corner, and they had his parents. On a Zoom call, not a Zoom call. It was like a Cisco uh, virtual call, and he just like he he stopped, like backed up, took his hat off, and stood against the wall because it it like hit him, like emotionally. It was it was a lot. So it was pretty cool to see that guy who has worked his ass off. I mean, I I know all those guys work their ass off, but that guy was hitting drives late into the night on Saturday night because he said that he wasn't quote perfectly comfortable with his driver yeah and he was the only guy out there at that at that time of the night hitting uh in the driving range so that guy works his tail off and so to see him win and 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 his parents and everything it was it was pretty cool uh so let's uh we got we got more show coming we've got parting recommendations and we have listener comments coming on the other side so stay tuned after this quick break Brothers Billy and Gus Fakie, former owners of the Cigar Inn retail shops in New York City, have put their years of experience serving a broad range of cigar smokers into their new cigar company, Artesano del Tobacco. Their first release, Viva La Vida, is a Nicaraguan puro produced at the A.J. Fernandez factory. Viva La Vida is available in five Vitolas, a 6.5x54 Torpedo, a 6x54 Toro, a 6x60 Grand Toro, a 5x54 Robusto, and a limited edition Diademas Finas, which is a beautifully made Perfecto that's 65 x 52 Prices range from $10.50 for the Robusto up to $14.50 for the limited edition Diademas Finas. The cigars are not only made by A.J. Fernandez, but also distributed by him as well. Viva La Vida cigars are only available at brick-and-mortar cigar shops, so ask your local dealer for Viva La Vida or look them up at artesanodeltobacco.net. You can also connect with them via their Facebook and Instagram at Artesano Del Tobacco. All right, so final cigar update. What do you got? Much, right, of, uh, m- much of the same. Yep. You know. Again, I think it, it still continues to kind of click up uh, in intensity. Yeah, probably because we're getting closer to mm-hmm. to the end of it. 
but uh, but still very much uh, the same flavor profile that we talked about earlier. The the creaminess, the nuttiness, the spice, the uh, the floral note on the on the back. Uh, I think it's a for me. It's like a daily smoker. What what occasions do you think the the cigar fits? I think it's an incredibly versatile. So that's a good question. I think it's very versatile. I think you could smoke this in the morning because it's, like I said, it's a five to six in strength. So I think you could smoke it in the morning with coffee. This would be fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and it would be perfectly complementary of coffee. Uh, it, it doesn't have coffee flavors. So that cedariness and that creaminess would probably go really well with coffee. Uh, but then I think that it's, it's still got enough there that you can smoke it later in the day like we're doing right now. What is it, like 6 o'clock now? So it's still holding up perfectly even though we had a gigantic lunch. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that it's a, a cigar that you smoke after like a big steak and a, and a big red cab. Yeah. I don't think it's that cigar. I'm sure it'd do, it'd do fine. It'd do but fine, th- of right, course. Right, right, but right. I, if I was staying in the Fuente portfolio... There's other things that I would smoke absolutely with a with a big cab and a steak absolutely you know namely an añejo an opus X or or maybe a Don Carlos so uh but yeah that that was a that's a good question so we've got some parting recommendations for you do I have one you ha- well you had written here I don't I don't know if were you just that's from an old one that's an old one well you should have updated the notes sir I updated mine I can give you a recommendation let's hear it. Uh, wear comfortable shoes if you ever go hiking out in <laughs> <laughs> out in Utah. Preferably hiking boots with very good grip that grip rocks, <laughs> and good socks that prevent sand from getting into your boots. <laughs> there is my recommendation. That's a good one. Uh, that's a good one for sure. Uh, I had Merrill boots and take wet wipes. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan is the king of the wet wipe, but don't leave them behind, please. Don't leave them behind on these trails. Your wet wipes. <laughs> so you gotta bring. If you're bringing wet wipes, also bring a plastic bag for you to throw them away. Sure. I, I didn't leave, leave any on the trails. Okay, by good, the way. Good. Uh, yeah, there are no bathrooms where we were. So, uh, but anyway, so my my recommendation is the cigar snob cap, which we are selling on our website. It is pretty snazzy. It's a badass cap. I've been wearing it. I think since we received them. Yeah. I've been wearing them nonstop. So I love the hat. Uh, it's extremely comfortable, and it's a cool hat because uh, it's not like cloth. It's like a synthetic type of uh, material, and it's light. So it's like a light gray, and we have a new one uh, that we just received that is like a tan, kind of a military tan color. Uh, so we've got those things going. So you can check those out at cigarsnob.com uh, slash shop, and then in the shop you can find gear, and you'll see the cap right there. Twenty-five bucks gets you a hat. We're not making a. We're not making any money on that hat. So get yourself one. All right. So we've got some listener comments. We've we've said we'd like to read more more comments from our listeners uh, on the podcast. So here we go. We've got a gentleman. I won't say his full name because uh, I don't know if he wants this known. But he uh, he probably does. Kevin. He probably Kevin does. W. Kevin W. You know who you are, sir. Uh, here's his comment. Afternoon, sir. Love the show. I listen every week. Sorry that we don't we didn't do a show last week, Kevin. Uh, I hope I hope you and your family are safe and healthy. I have a few questions. One: What's the resort you and your family just went to in Sanibel? It sounded really cool. Uh, Kevin, that was the uh, Shell Island in Sanibel. So 
Very cool. The great thing about that resort, by the way, is how close it is to the to the actual beach, because some of them are are like a block and a half, two blocks off. This one's right on the beach, and it's also very close to the lighthouse. So uh, that's what's cool about that place. Uh, and then he said, "Can you remember the used golf equipment website that was on your suggestions segment in the podcast?" Ivan, I think you can answer this one. The, I don't, the used golf equipment website. I use a few, but did we speak of the Callaway one? Yes, sir. The CallawayPreowned.com. CallawayGolfPreowned.com. Great site. They have a bunch of. Uh, there all the time now. They have they have a bunch of not only Callaway brands, but they also have other brands as well. Uh, they take trade ins, so you can trade in your whatever you want to get rid of. By the way, they're not paying for any of this. No. Um, so if you're listening, Callaway Golf Preowned, hook hit us up. up. Yeah. And um, they have a bunch of great equipment. Um, but above all, what I like about them is their customer service. If they're you give awesome. them a call, they'll, they're super helpful. Incredibly helpful, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and, uh, they're very I, good. I called. I bought, I've bought clubs for myself and for my, uh, for my kids. And what I love about it is that they, they sort of downgrade the condition of the club. Yeah. So I bought a, a Vokey sand wedge, a 56-degree Vokey sand wedge. So if you know anything about golf equipment, Vokey is made by Titleist, not by Callaway. And yet I bought that on the site. And and it said that the condition was average. I got the thing. It is brand new. way, way above average. Yeah. It was it was hit a few times. So I, I like that. And, and they re-gripped it. It had brand new grips. So I like that. Uh, Kevin's last question was, once things get back to normal, will you guys do any live traveling podcasts? That's a great question, Kevin. We've always wanted to do it. Uh, we've we've talked about doing it a hundred times, but... We should have done it perched up we, on one of those peaks. Done it. Yeah. I mean, I think that what Kevin is talking about is, you know, going uh, on location and then doing the show sure. with an audience. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I think that as things start to get back to normal, uh, we we we'd probably consider that again, like we used to back uh, back in the day. We used to think about well, we used to do a radio show called The Draw here uh, in Miami, and we would do that at cigar shops. Um, so so we could we could probably do that again next time. We're down. Yeah, we're totally down. So anyway, thank you, Kevin. Uh, sorry, Keith. I, I did I say Kevin the whole time? His name is Keith. Keith W. So uh, thank you, Keith. And uh, listen, if you guys if you guys like the show, rate it, review it. We may read your your review online, just like uh, on the on the show, just like I did now. Uh, but listen, the reviews do help us. So do that. Also check out our YouTube channel. We've posted a bunch of new content up there. We just posted the photo shoot that's in the current issue. It's on there now. So check that out. YouTube, what is it, Natalia? YouTube uh, slash Cigar Snob Mag. Or Cigar Snob videos or Cigar Snob. There you go. Or just search. Search for Cigar Snob. Anyway, uh, thanks again for listening, guys. And uh, have a good one. All right, guys. Later. Later. You've been listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. Tune in next time for more nonsense and chicanery. But in the meantime, you can find previous episodes of the podcast on CigarSnob.com slash podcast. Follow us at Cigar Snob Mag on all the social media platforms and be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast on Apple Podcast. Until next time, hasta luego.